Well, good afternoon. It's good to be here. Um, I just want to thank the church and church leadership for just inviting me to be able to share God's word with you. I'm excited um, as I have been preparing and asking the Lord um, what he has on his heart for today. I just felt like um, I was led to sort of this idea of us living in in between time. As you can see on the board, that's the title of my message today. And I'm not used to speaking 20 minutes. That's quite short. That's like my introduction. So I was told I had 20 minutes. I was like, okay, I got to get to the point right away. So I'll get to the point right away. So um, let me frame why I, I, um, what I mean by in between time. Okay. So last week we celebrated Easter right? The time when Jesus Christ died for us and resurrected. And so over 2,000 years, we have been celebrating this day of, of the day that Jesus Christ won the power of death and gave us life. But for 2,000, over 2,000 years, we have been living, you know, in a place where we are post-resurrection, but pre-second coming. We're living in the space where God gave us victory over death, but we still experience death in our lives, right? We have been given victory through Jesus Christ, yet there are battles that we still fight in our lives, don't we? We pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we know, we're sorely cognizant that this is not heaven. So when we are living in a post-resurrection to pre-second coming, this is an in-between time. So collectively, as Christians, we're all living in this in-between space. And this is what I mean by in between time. Okay, so how do we live in this in between time as Christians? First, we remember that where we are here today, this is not our home. This is not our home. We're on our way to our home. But most importantly, why would God have us here? You know, um, our brother just got baptized, right? So when we are baptized, when we believe in Jesus, why don't we just go to heaven to be with God. Why does God have us here linger on in this in-between space and time? What is the purpose? What are we supposed to be here? Uh, What are we supposed to do while we're here? And how do we live in this space well? So gratefully, we are not the first ones to live in this in-between space. Bible shows us that there are other times when people of God had to live in in between space. And we're going to be looking at three of those times, okay? First, um, since we have very short time, I'm not going to be reading each of these stories because the first one is like chapters, right? So I'm going to summarize them for you, all right? So these are stories that hopefully, if you have been in church for a while, you would know these stories. So the first story is found in Exodus uh, chapters 14 through 16. And this is when the Israelites, people of God, they had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And they were crying out to the Lord, and God rescues them um, 
from Egypt through Moses, a man named Moses. And instead of God taking them directly out of Egypt into the promised land, God has them in the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine? How do they survive? These, I mean, some scholars say there are a million people at that time. Imagine million people, even if it wasn't million. Like, imagine, even if it was like 100,000 people, people group moving in the desert, roaming around for 40 years. How do they survive? And I want to say that from this uh, story, the story teaches us that when we live in this in-between time of being delivered from something and going to the promised land in this wilderness, they needed to trust God's power. That's our first point. Trust in God's power. Because it was through God's power that they were able to survive in the wilderness. We know the story well, right? How are they going to eat? How are they going to drink? How are they going to keep up the hygiene? I mean, there's so many questions, right? But it was through God's power that God gave them water to drink. God gave them carbohydrates in the form of manna. They were given protein through quail meat six days out of the week for 40 years. That's some power, right? So God provided for them. God took care of these people and their daily needs through his incredibly powerful hand. Not only that, God protected them from the enemy that were going to uh, the surrounding kingdom so that they won't be harmed. So my first point is that God used his incredible, amazing power for the good of the people. He chose to use his power for the good of the people. But the crazy thing about Israelites is that at the side of a slight discomfort, a slight feeling of the hunger pain, they started to complain. And they said, we want to go back to to Egypt. We'd rather be slaves and die there than to die out here hungry. At the slight discomfort, they started to romanticize about what their life was like in Egypt. They forgot that it was very gruesome, harsh, demanding, and deadly. They forgot about those things very, very quickly. Instead, they had this sort of false illusion that they would rather live in a predictable, assuring pattern of life, being a servant, just serve the master and get the food, do my thing and get my food. They'd rather live in this systematic way of life, sort of guaranteed income in some sense, than to trust God, than to walk out by God's leading. They would rather choose to be in captivity for that assurance than liberty. They're longing to be stable. They're longing to be this, to live in this predictable life really shows how deep their captivity was, 
how deep their bondage was. But God, as he was simultaneously using his power, choose to use his power to release uh, to, to care for them, to, to protect them, to provide for them, he was also doing something else. He was using his power to change and to give them a paradigm shift. See, for gener- it's understanding that the Israelites would feel this way because they have been slaves for over 400 years. For generations over generations, they have been slaves. This is the only pattern of life they know how to live. But God wanted to change that very way of life in them, that mental captivity that they were living under. God wanted to bring a change. He was wanting, he was wanting to change them from slave mentality captive mentality, bondage mentality, to a father-child relationship. See, in this, this role, God was the one who was caring for the Israelites. He was the one who was protecting them. He was the one who was providing for them. God was serving the Israelites. There is a role reversal here from where they were as slaves serving their masters to now God serving them, using his power to care for them. And through that, God was saying, hey, I invite you to have a paradigm shift, to change the way you view me. I am not the master that you are used to having. I'm a father. I'm a good parent to you. I'm the one who wants to provide for you. I'm going to be the one providing for you and protecting you. That was God's message for their people. And he was inviting them to trust him. All you have to do is trust me, God says. Trust me completely. And this paradigm shift isn't just a one-time thing. I realize in my own life, that I have to constantly have a paradigm shift in the way I see God. If I want to perform for, to, to, to be accepted, I need God to change me so that I know that I'm already loved, deeply loved. If I want to be, to, to, to be accepted, to be liked, no. God says, I'm, you're already my child. I already see you deeply. I already hear you. I know what's on your heart. So you can live from that that place of abundance and security instead of working towards that. We are always going through a paradigm shift, and it's only by God's power that we can experience that paradigm shift in our lives. So I want to ask you, in what ways have you been shaped by God's power? In what ways is God shaping you today? The second story is found in Jeremiah. This is a second in-between space where people, have, uh, people of God are living in this in-between space. See, for our 800 years, people have lived in their promised land for eight, over 800 years. But now, here in, in chapter 29, we find that people are, are, are living in exile. They're living in the land of Babylon. 
what happened in those 800 years that led, to, led them to come to this place of exile. From almost the first generation, after the first generation of people who have uh, gone into the land, from that uh, next generation on, everyone has been living against what God wanted. These were people who utterly threw mud on God's face. Generation after generation after generation. So God waited 800 years. God is a long-suffering God. He suffered with people 800 years, and finally, they go into exile. They go into a foreign land. They're sort of captive people in this, in this land of Babylon. And then an instruction, God's word comes to them in the land of exile. See, for Israelites, they were so used to hearing God's voice, knowing that God's presence was in Jerusalem in the temple. They boxed God in and said, God belongs in the temple in Jerusalem. That's where God speaks. But now, now that they're in exile, away, far away from Jerusalem, far away from the temple, God speaks. And what does he speak? He doesn't shame. He doesn't dishonor. He's not uh, condemning, but he comes with the hope for the people who are in exile. First, God's word is evident in the land of exile, which means that there is no place where God's word cannot reach. Maybe there are some of us who may be, far, may be here, but you are far away from God. But even in wherever you are, there's no place too far for God's word cannot reach. Second, when God's word comes, it comes with hope. It comes with good plans. So what was their instruction? Their instruction was very different from the people who were in the wilderness, right? People in the wilderness, they had to constantly move. But this time, God tells them, you're going to be in exile for 70 years. Not forever, 70 years. But within that 70 years, I want you to build homes. I want you to settle down. I want you to, in fact, build gardens and eat from your garden. More than that, I want you to get married, have children, multiply, do not decrease. And then he commands them to pray for peace and prosperity for the people in the land. God's plan was to see them thrive in the, even in the land of exile. And then he tells them in verse 11, it says that I have plans for you, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. That was God's plan. That's his desire, that wherever his people go, that they would be a blessing. They would show that God's blessing is on these people. That was his plan. Now, when I was a teenager, I remember a time when I was going through a very rough time, as a teen, some teenagers do. And I remember just 
getting down on my knees and crying out. I just had it, you know, in my own way. I just had it. And I was crying out to the Lord. And as I was crying, I felt this sort of uh, inner voice that come into my heart. And that voice um, was singing a song that, that we used to sing at church at that time. And it went something like this, in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. And I felt like I was saying, in my time, I'm going to make your life beautiful. And almost instantaneously, I got up from that moment. Like there was a supernatural power that came inside of me and gave me hope. What I really needed to know from God was, God, do you have plans for my life? And am I in yours? And God took the time to speak into my heart. Now, when I look back to my life, I could say that he has made my life beautiful, and he continues to do so. Amen? But it's not because I have no hardships or everything went well or I had everything that I ever wanted. No, but still, his plans, when I look back at every step of my life, his plans have been absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. But it was his voice that gave me hope that day to get up from where I was, the despair that I was feeling, the despair that I was under. When I heard God's voice in my heart, gave me the supernatural strength to have hope. So I want to encourage you, if any one of you, if you are in that place where you need hope, ask God for a word. Ask God for his voice, and he will give you the strength that you need to live in this in-between space. God's word and God's voice will give us hope that we need. And again, there's no place too far, too dark, too deep for God's voice that cannot reach. He will reach us wherever we are. And finally, we come to our third place, third in-between space. And, and usually in church, you read the, the, the verse at the beginning of the sermon, right? But we're going to read it now and sort of towards the end of the sermon. Okay, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be in John uh, 14. It's going to be there. Okay, so um, maybe we could all, hmm, no, I'll read it to us because then we may not be in sync says, John 14, 16 through 20, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because neither sees him, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives with you, and you will be, uh, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in you, uh, in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is a passage where now Jesus, in the book of John, Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples. His disciples have been following Jesus for three and a half years. 
They had been sleeping where he was sleeping, eating what he was eating. He was, they were following him, watching him minister, and listening to his teaching day in and day out. And then now Jesus knows that he is no longer going to be with him. So he gives them this promise. I'm going to leave, but someone else is coming. Someone called Holy Spirit, counselor, the mighty counselor is going to come. And he's going to be with you, dwelling among you, and he will be in you. And then later on, he, Jesus says, not only that, I am in my father, and you're in me, and I am also in you. Right? So here's the Holy Spirit who is among us, who is in us, and then Jesus who's in the Father, who's in us, and we're in him. Such a complicated picture, right? I was thinking only like a contemporary artist can, can maybe put that together in an art form. Because it's like, what? Now there's a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. But for today, what I want to say is that in this in-between space that we live from post-resurrection to second coming, or maybe for us going home, is that we are guaranteed that we will never be alone. We are guaranteed that we will never be alone. His presence is with us. We can trust in his presence. We are never alone, not like an orphan. It says in Ephesians that Holy Spirit is given to us, to all who believe in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit is a guarantee to be with us, to those people who believe. Not only that, it says in Romans, a beautiful verse, it says that, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. We're never alone. We're never alone. We're never alone. In Psalm 139, it says, where can I go from your, your spirit? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the deep depth, you are there. If I go far away, you're there. If I am lying down, you're there. If I'm getting up, you're there. God's presence is everywhere. So when we become a child of God, we have this gift of the spirit that will be with us all the time. All the time. But not only that, this Holy Spirit is the spirit that will empower us to live and thrive in our in-between time. We are called to thrive while we are here, bringing God's kingdom on earth. When we can only do that if we have the power of the Holy Spirit 
We have the power of the Holy Spirit. It says a few verses before in John 4, chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, Jesus says that, ah, if you believe in me, you can do the same thing that I am doing, but even greater. All the things that Jesus did, teach, heal, cast out demons, multiply food, walk on the water. He says, all those things you can do and greater. Why? Because we have the same source as Jesus did. The power of the Holy Spirit is in us. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is in us as well. So we could be the kind of Christians that live victoriously. That's exciting. Not just like, okay, we're Christian, we're just waiting to get to heaven. But no, we can have a Christian life that's exciting because we are hearing God's voice. We have the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, and so we can live not in the old ways of being dependent on our own strength, but a life that is led by the power of God. That's what we are called to be in this in-between time, to live powerfully, to live differently. So that when people of God, when I say being empowered by the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about this only the mystical experience of Holy Spirit, right? That, that includes it, but there's much more. For us to have the power of the Holy Spirit enables us to become more like Jesus. To become more like Jesus. So when other people see us, they will see Jesus in us. That our lives every day at work, at home, at school, people will see and say, there's Jesus. That's only possible when we allow the Holy Spirit to live through us. Amen? Amen. So, I don't know how long that was, but I want to just remind you that, again, we're not alone on earth. We're not alone. We can live a little closer to heaven, what heaven will look like if we trust in God's power to reshape us, reshape our mind, transform our minds every day, if we trust in God's word for us every day, and when we trust in ever-abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, that's when we can thrive in this life and be ready to go to heaven. And as I stated in the beginning, my friends, this, this is not our home. This is not our final destination. There is a mansion waiting for us. There is God who loves us so much who had sent his son to die for us. That God who chose to use his power not to condemn and shame us, but to love on us and call us beloved, that God is waiting for us. And when we get to heaven, he's going to be doing the biggest dance that we know over us. That's the kind of God we have. And so as we look towards home, we can still live this life 
in an awesome and mighty and powerful and fun and joyful ways when we trust in God. Amen? So for me, whenever I deliver a message, I believe that there is a response that we need to always have. Whenever there's a word preached, we need to have a response. So I want to have a time of response uh, right now. And as I just want us to just close our eyes, and I want the Holy Spirit to just talk to you, maybe speak something into your heart. What does it mean for you to trust God today? Trusting in his power, trusting in his voice, and in his empowering presence. What does that look like for you today? Maybe you haven't put your trust in God yet. And perhaps God is inviting you to say, Son, daughter, I see you. I invite you. I want to provide for you. I want to take care of you. I want to protect you. I want to put my wings around you and say you're safe. Will you trust me? Maybe there are some of us who need to recommit in trusting the Lord. Maybe we have lived a life where we have been doing life on our own, by our own strength, but God is inviting us to say, my child, can you trust me today? Can you trust me to change the negative thoughts that go through your mind? Can you trust me to break that cycle of captive bondage that you're in? Can you trust me? Can you trust my voice? the words that I speak into your heart. Yes, it is God's voice you are hearing. Can you trust that? Or perhaps there's just a longing in your heart, but you don't know how to trust. Just take a moment to just express your longing to God. God, I want to trust you, but it's hard. Holy Spirit, I need your help. So take a moment and respond to God.
trusting can be difficult, especially when you feel like it's all or nothing. But I feel like what the Lord is saying right now is just take one step forward and I will meet you. It's a journey that God is inviting you to. So God is saying, my child, just take that one step. You don't need to figure out everything else. Just take that one step and hold on to my hand. Enter into my rest. Father, we say that our heart, we want our heart posture to be towards you, saying, Daddy, here I am. I want to trust you. I want to trust you a little more today. Help me. Help me in this process. Help me to experience your power. Help me to experience your word and your voice in my life. Help me to be empowered by the Holy Spirit every day of my life. Thank you in Jesus' name.